Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome, brothers and sisters, to an audio experience brought to you by Muslims on the Move, a program of Advanced Platform Committee. Once again, we want to engage with you through this podcast and hope it benefits you. So take a listen to this week's episode and let us know what you think. Assalamu alaikum. You are listening to Muslims on the Move. And we got a new season upon us, ladies and gentlemen. Alhamdulillah, we have been having a blast with this podcast, I must say. I think this is our fourth recording. Uh, you have yours truly here, Abdul Rahman. Okay, Fatima. Amino. And Kabir. Alhamdulillah, man. It has been what? It's been a pretty stressful week, man. Let's keep it real. We've had we've had a lot of stuff going on. So it's no better way to start this episode, start this season off by talking about post-election, talking about, you know, just what's going on in, in, in our world and our country and and also just what are the things we can do with self-care. So without further ado, let's get this kicked off, man. We have, uh, I guess, uh, some people are some people are uh, debating this, but I think we have a new president, right? Yep. <laughs> I believe so. I believe we are uh, back to the scheduled regular racism. Um, <laughs> Biden is still president, from my understanding. Even though I feel like they, they said they um, revoked his Georgia um, votes, but honestly, they, he's still over the 270, so. He, they wanted to do, like, a recount, right? Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Honestly, I don't have time. I don't have the, the strength. <laughs> I mean, we're still counting. I think we've all had enough anxiety we're watching Nevada and all these states <laughs> counting. And, and and is this true, though, or is this final? Yeah, I just no, they, they always do recounts. They did, they've been doing recounts since, like, 2000, uh, but we're Bush and Gore. Um, and, I mean, probably even before that, but this sort of thing has gotten way more nuts, I think, in the last decade. Um, the recounts aren't that big of a deal. It's probably not going to flip any of the states and you know again you look at that map biden pretty much won the map um so yeah that's uh we got sleepy well, in joe that case, sleepy right. joe gang in that case <laughs> i like when uh the um the recount is silent we can have silent recounts they don't gotta tell us yeah then it wouldn't matter that's <laughs> what i was wondering like did, did were they still doing recounts this late in the into the into gore's uh into the Gore Bush one, but oh yeah, yeah, right. that one went to the Supreme Court. That that took a while. That one took a while for wow. Florida specifically. Um, and yeah. I don't even think, yeah, that that's a whole thing. Um, allegedly, Gore might have won Florida, but I don't remember the specifics of it. I was maybe only like five, Man, six when this happened. Um, <laughs> it made me feel old just now. Thanks. <laughs> like was I even born yet? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Man, so here's here's a real question though. All right, like now we're talking about Sleepy Joe. Do you think he he can do eight years? Like for real? Like what he'd be like what eighty six or something like that at that point? I mean, do we have him for four? Do you think he has the stamina? I ain't even got him for four. I'm gonna be honest. I I don't mean that in a disrespectful <laughs> way. Um, you know, he's what, no, it's a, I mean, it's I know it's I I'm because at the end of the day, what I think about it doesn't really matter. But you know. Yeah, the president's a strenuous job. Um, there have been a lot of questions about Joe's sort of mental fitness um, during this campaign. 
Um, and I don't know for the people that are questioning him that, that the campaign really answered those questions. Uh, so we'll see, inshallah. It is as Allah wills. Um, I wouldn't right. expect, I'm not expecting anything. If he makes it a year, I'm not surprised. If it's eight years, I won't be surprised. Like it could be, you know, everything under the sun. Um, so we'll see. I'm not trying to think too much about too far into the future. He looked like he was struggling a little bit through those through those debates. I don't know. Hopefully, I mean, going against Trump, I'd be struggling too. It's like losing brain cells. True, true. So, I mean, was anybody surprised? Was, am I the only one who was shocked by the by the uh, this turnout? I thought Trump had this in the bag by a landslide. I was surprised. I'm not even gonna lie. I honestly, I even had a bet. I was like, Trump is gonna win for sure. <sighs> There's no way Joe Biden's gonna win just because I don't know. Maybe because I'm from Texas. And just like, I just feel like everyone was Trump 2020. But I was actually very, very surprised that um, I was surprised that Pennsylvania flipped. I was very, very surprised that Georgia flipped. Like, it actually took me by shock. Man, I, I couldn't uh-huh. believe it. I, I was very optimistic because I'm from New York and I know <laughs> New York, we got, we got it. We always go. We don't play. I really was like Joe Biden better win because there's no other way. I can't. I can't stay here. If, if Trump is doing another turn, like what does that really say about America? But I mean, here, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, right? Because you know, I'll be looking at the data, the exit polls, and whatnot, um, and you know, reading whatever articles come after the fact. And so the first thing that's really interesting to me is that, in terms of like voting, Trump did better with every demographic except white men. In other words, more white women voted for Trump. More black mm. people voted for Trump. That's men and women. More Latinx folks, more Asian folks. Like Trump got more numbers. Um, the second thing that's really interesting is that, um, in terms of just popular vote count, both Trump and Biden this year I think did better than at least one of the years Obama got elected. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that's just saying there were like everybody was vote, everybody was coming out for their guy. This stuff, like you know, it was um, it was a real function, and I think that's yeah. sort of you know, a credit of the fact that, like, the campaign is not just whoever's at the top of that campaign, but it's also a function of organizing across the country and sort of local areas. And, you know, to the point of, like, you know, Fontana being surprised that, like, Georgia flipped, that's not, like, just pure dumb luck. That's very much a credit to, you know, the work that Stacey Abrams put in. But I'm, I'm going to just say it, not like anybody yeah. cares, but mm-hmm. Stacey Abrams was my personal pick for um vice president especially when we started saying it has to be a black woman i was like please let it be stacy abrams and but you know it, that, that's just my little opinion but i think i would have i would have preferred that and i think you <laughs> know to, to that point i think last week showed us why you know she put in a lot of groundwork in the state mm-hmm. of georgia for many years addressing the key issue of voter suppression you know making sure that you know people that look like us that come from communities like us you know, their voices were heard and it paid off in a really, really big way. Uh, it remains to be seen whether or not the Democrats are sort of taking notes from this um, and are really putting in work. Because uh, I mean, like Biden won, but like we lost seats in the House. A lot of people thought we would flip the Senate. I don't know why I'm saying we, I'm not Democrat gang like that. Not like I'm voting Republican, <laughs> but I'm not going to say those are my guys. Um, right. But like, there, I, I think there is a lot that's sort of lacking. I think there's still a lot to be said about what you know that body that political party sort of views is like the direction for our country in the future and whether or not many of us agree with that um so i think 
as as good as it is that we don't got to deal with Trump no more, like um, we about to be, I'm about to be right on Sleepy Joe's neck. Um, I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, I'm not looking at this as like a, oh, all's well that ends well. I think we still have a, like, there's a long way to go. Um, I know everybody's dancing in the streets. Um, I don't necessarily share that same optimism. Yeah, man. I mean, my mom always says the enemy you know is better than the enemy that you don't, right? And I bring that up to say that a lot of people are saying that Biden is much of the same, if not potentially could be more racist, but he he he's more buttoned up and political about it, right? So, I mean, is do you guys feel like that that's true, that, like, we have pretty much the same person who knows how to disguise it better, or... Is there is there potential progress that can come from this in terms of minorities? Um, personally, I feel like it's gonna be like the same situation that happened with Obama. Like mm-hmm. when Obama became president, everyone was super excited. Everyone thought, like, yes, we finally have a black man who's gonna, you know, do all these things for black people and everything. And we just got eight years of honestly nothing. And <laughs> to be um like not to be a debbie downer i just feel like that's what we're gonna get like at the end of the day democrat democrats and republicans there's not really a big difference between them the only difference is just as um as y'all were saying some people are just like very very open and vocal about their racism and others are just gonna you know they're they're very I guess they're politicians and politicians are going to be politicians. They're going to do their dirty work in secret. And as we know, like Obama did a whole bunch of like things in secret that people don't really know about him, but everyone is just like, yes, he's a black man. He did this, he did that. But we also don't know things that he did behind closed doors. And I think the same thing is technically about to happen. We just have to be more worried about um, putting our politicians, like making sure that they are, um, I guess how to say it would be like to make sure that we um, put them to trial for what they do, I guess. Yeah, no, that's facts. That. We, like, we would call that like accountability. Um, and I agree with you. Uh, accountability. That's yeah. the word. I'm sorry. I had a brain fart. <laughs> accountability, <laughs> right? We make sure that um, when we see them doing something wrong, we call them out on it. And we don't just let it slide because, oh, this at least it's better than Trump, right? No, we have to let we have to make sure that they are doing what they're supposed to do. So yeah, I I think that's huge, man. It's huge. The 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 piece about accountability. I think more than we've seen in in years. Social media and the internet is empowering people to really put people, you know, individuals that's in the limelight to the fire and, and make them more accountable. And to me, that makes me really question this entire election, right? Like, what does this really mean for democracy, not only here in the States, but globally, right? Like, this is a this is a big shift in the entire world. Um, and we, we see so much, so much action right now that's coming from social media, online, whether it's SARS in Nigeria, whether it's, you know, I mean, whether it's individuals protesting and and missouri so what does this mean right we have a new president how do you feel like uh we'll be represented now not only here but globally um i think part of i think part of what it is is you know sort of what fatima was saying like there's always a certain amount of i think 
democracy or government or just let's just say the state of our affairs that is in our hands. Um, so like, I think if you've got somebody like, you know, say the Obama years, right? You have people that think, oh, we have somebody that is looking out for us that is going to advocate for us. And then, you know, you get to the end of those eight years and that's not true in a lot of ways. Although I'll, I'll cut it, he got, he got his healthcare, you know, shout out to that man, you know, that's, that's not trivial. Mm-hmm. Um, like the thing that's still necessary um, is, you know, us, like sort of the people um, being able to, you know, push for what it is that we want from, you know, our politicians, what we want out of our laws. I think at least in America, that's probably an easier process to proceed with with Joe Biden than Donald Trump. I don't think Donald Trump really cares like that. Um, Whereas I think, you know, there's a certain respect for the process that you're more likely to see with with a Joe Biden or something like that, where, you know, even if we don't agree on like a single thing policy wise, um, you know, it'll be easier for us to, again, hold him accountable. Um, Now, I think Uh. across the country, like I think outside of America, I think that's a harder conversation to have because like it's difficult here and we have like a near like two and a half century sort of right history of robust democratic institutions of free speech and you know of you know popular assembly of organizing of you know representation through elected officials um like and like minimal corruption by way of lobbying not that it doesn't exist but it's just a lot better than a lot of other places um i think if we're talking about like you know other countries and you know it's you know it's definitely an issue in nigeria but i you know i've been having conversations with with friends this is sort of a problem sort of across the country you know the continent sorry <laughs> i said country that's crazy um <laughs> but you know like there you have got situations going on right now in and you know ethiopia um, Tanzania just had a set of elections that were sort of like, you know, shady, shaky. Um, and I know that, you know, Rwanda Paul, I think Kagame, um, is kind of a little, he's not the most democratic fellow. Um, so I think this is something that we're seeing more of and we're seeing it in places that don't have the same, let's say relationship with like a fully healthy democracy that like you could say America might have or, or like the Western world. Um, and so I think all of the things that we're asking ourselves here in America are just a lot harder to address um, abroad. Um, I, I personally feel like it's all nonsense. I feel like all these systems, whether it be America or Nigeria, I just, I mean, it, it just reminds me, uh, I believe his name is uh, Stokely Michael. Uh, he talk, he, oh, Michael. Um, mm-hmm. he talks about this a lot where he's like, he always says that, the vote is, is like, it's never a road to liberation. It's more so about just organizing people, especially when you talk about America, because it's like you vote every four years and you think that's your political responsibility like that. You're not, that's the, doesn't make you responsible. That just makes you, okay, aware of who's running. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like it's up to us to build the system to be what we think it should be at this point, because clearly our democracy isn't working. Like the fact that we have to ask the question of whether Joe Biden is going to do it for us, or is he just going to be like Obama or me even saying, oh, we're back to regular scheduled racism. Like, why is that? If we, if we have a democracy, why do we have to vote for stuff we don't even like? Like, why are we choosing between the, the, the two evils of the world? You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. That's man, I mean, I almost wanted to <laughs> drop the mic right <laughs> there on that topic in, in itself. But I mean, that makes me think, so what does make impact, right? We we have seen things. I mean, I'm actually impressed that we've seen some relative prison reform through, you know, through Trump's uh, administration. And that makes me think if we can accomplish that with, you know, with Donald Trump, what can we accomplish with Biden in itself? But how do these things actually come in? come into play right like what actually needs to be done where we feel like our voices are heard or is it a lost cause because if it is then we have to question the whole concept of democracy uh i think it depends on who you're talking to when, it, when we when we refer to lost cause um but i i, I never want to be pessimistic about anything i don't want to say it's a lost cause but i think it's going to take a lot more work so- so let's let's transition a little bit. I want to talk about Nigeria a little bit, right? I mean, we we all represent that area, and that's something that we take a lot of pride in in itself. You know, what do we feel like? You know, how do we feel like our voices can really get heard in Nigeria? I mean, there's so much going on right now. Whether it's you know simple things is just as far as transportation and you know having access to good medication to not getting killed on the streets for looking like you're doing like you're doing pretty well for yourself right like mm-hmm. what do we need to do there and can we do anything being american citizens i th- i think i think the that the end stars really showed what social media could do i think social media is truly the answer at this point because what we see is that Nigerians don't like humiliation. They don't like to be seen as a, a country that's not progressing, even though we all know the truth, right? And the fact that social media was able to do, to, to literally tell the truth, like things that we think are so normal, to tell the truth, that is the only way I feel like we can progress. The fact that mm-hmm. Bari came and was like, basically said, Sharayin, uh, like, make sure you know yourself, because if not, we can we can take off the, the cameras again and do what we have to do. And the fact that he could do that, but we had proof that this actually happened. I mean, we have footage of, I mean, we have footage of a lot of things, and I always wondered. I mean, are we making any change? So, I mean, you might actually know know better than me on this, but like from all the protests to all the hashtags to the videos that we've seen, for Buhari to come out and say, and you know, it's fake media, man. Just go go back and protect yourselves, or before I get mad. You know, um, I mean, is that progress? Did, did we accomplish anything? I think for people to rally up and find the courage after how many how many uh, generations of, of, of oppression to, to stand up and say something, that is always going to be a form of progression, in my in my opinion. I feel like to, for people to finally say, I'm sick and tired and gather up to the point where they don't care mm. if if they lose their life because they know it's not a loss. It's it's helping the next generation. And I feel like for the Nigerian cause, in my opinion, the NSARS movement, I feel like one of the biggest um, problems was that there were a lot of adults. Like, even, like, I was talking to, like, my friends in Nigeria and, like, people, they were saying, like, there's a lot of adults who are kind of, like, against the movement. And a lot of adults who are like, oh, you, like, if you also, like, you know, behave, the government or the police wouldn't do this to you. Just, like, 
things we we heard when we were here in America with the Black Lives Matter protests, people also talking about, oh, you just have to cooperate, you just have to cooperate. But I feel like um, the adults also belittling the movement is something that also allowed it to, you know, kind of die down. If the adults also stood up and they, because I feel like the politicians, a lot of them, they're like, oh, these little kids, these young kids and blah, blah, blah. The whole movement was kind Mm. of just like, seen as just like kids who are just you know mad and they're just (laughs) it was really belittled and I feel like rebelling something Mm -hmm. that should not be belittled it's something Mm -hmm. that is very very important and I I agree with Amina it's a it's a start even if this issue is not something that is resolved because yes they said they ended the SARS and now they brought a SWAT team which is basically the same thing right like they think like we're we're jokes like they literally think young right. people are dumb and they're just like you know jokes so I think um this is the first step in many and I think um when something else starts to happen um more people will be willing to stand up and more people will be willing to fight for um what is right and I think this is the first step in progression in Nigeria Man, you make a great point just being able to document it knowledge is power I know mm-hmm. growing up in the states you know, the knowledge of understanding at a young age, the Tuskegee experiment, um, you know, uh, Emmett Till, being able to understand, you know, Mm -hmm. these things at a young age helped me shape how I see the world, right? Um, So no matter if they were trying to teach me about Christopher Columbus in school, Mm -hmm. you know, I was already kind of hip. So the fact that, you know, our future generations, our children and grandchildren can see these videos the same way you can see videos of the Tulsa, Oklahoma bombing, uh, mm. that that changes things. And that and that same energy is the energy that we get with, you know, the energy that we get that that helps us when we need to we need to vote, you know, the energy that we need right now. So a lot of I mean, a lot of us didn't get to see I mean, didn't weren't around to see some of these injustices, but we have that knowledge and education. And I think that's where a lot of that impact can be made, even if it's not in our generations also. So I think here, here's the thing that I wonder, right? Because at least like say in America, right? You hear certain, you know, narratives, you know, like you hear the narrative of the civil rights movement of, you know, these were the people that, you know, organized, demonstrated, and, you know, here was the end result. Here, here was what they got from it. Um, and I mean, it's really easy for us to say this now where like hindsight's 2020. Um, but sort of thinking about this movement, right? Because, you know, I think what everybody has said is true, but I think the thing that that's really stuck with me at the end of the day is, right? Like you have this, this event, right? That the whole world is seeing, you have heads of state, many other places sort of commenting on it. We've all seen now that these are people that have absolutely no shame in just slaughtering um innocent people um and again you're like you know y'all are right like we don't necessarily know what that looks like to the people that are hearing about this decades after the fact i guess the question i have is what does that particular point mean for right now um i mean i know you have a lot of people um you know that are emboldened sort of in this moment but but to sort of stand out resist um right when you sort of know, like at the end of the day, these are people that 
will just shoot regardless of what you do, right? That that's sort of a, a different level. Um, and I guess the the sort of thing that sticks in the sort of my head is like in the back of my head is is there something else that's maybe not needed? Like because I can't speak to what's needed and what's not needed. Um, but like how do you how do you address that fact? Right? Like almost like this sort of not just just threat of like physical force, but almost like a guarantee of it. Um, and so that's, you know, my sympathy sort of lie, lie there, you know, for everybody that's grappling, how to address that. Hmm. Man, that's, that's tough, right? I mean, I think that's the, that's the age old challenge is, you know, when, when you're oppressed, it's like, how do you fight your oppression when you know that your oppressor has resources that you don't and they're willing to use them um i I think that that's a fear tactic at the same time right and i i don't think that we should totally be you know be afraid of of these things because again if if martin luther king was afraid of the fact that he can be gunned down right there's a lot there's a lot you know there's a lot of impact that that makes if he didn't if he doesn't stand up so i mean it's 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 a huge it's a huge challenge but i think that is something that me personally i can dedicate my life to right like the fact that i know i'm not a big fan of bullies right and and a lot of times our nations here domestically and 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 uh globally they can be bullies and the only way you stand up to them is by standing up to them period so um i mean I, i don't know i mean i think it's good also to know that there's not much value on your life. So there's a way in which you move, right? Like I would like to know that a police officer can shoot me, get away with it. Then not know, right. When I'm pulled over. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's basic knowledge is important for us to know, but at the same time, you still need to stand up for your rights um, and, and stand up for other people's rights who can't, who can't spend who can't speak for themselves um personally. i'll say i like i like how you sort of brought bullies into it because i think you know it's like there's a school of thought that says you know you tell the bully to stop you know you might get punched a couple times but but maybe that bully stops maybe that bully gets tired there's another school of thought that says the best way to get that bully to stop is that if he punches you you punch him right back um and i think even in, in the history of you know thinking of black folks in, in the united states you know, you had Martin, you also had the Panthers. Um, and that's not me saying what anybody should and shouldn't do. Um, but I think it's recognizing that, like, with things like this, it's very easy for, like, the fight, right, for liberation, for freedom, for equal treatment, is becomes, I guess, a literal fight in addition to a metaphorical fight. Um, so that that's, you know... I guess where I pray for, for those that are, you know, speaking out for those that are on the ground in the field right now, um, that inshallah, you know, they're kept safe and that justice is allowed to overcome um, the oppression. Um, and that, right, we have, um, you know, inshallah, just, you know, like equitable conditions, right? Because people aren't asking for that much. And, you know, it's not like it's anything crazy. And I'm not saying any of this just to leave it at thoughts and prayers by any means. Um but just recognizing that, you know, right now people are faced with some incredibly difficult choices. Um, and I'm in support of, you know, the people, whichever way it goes. 
Absolutely. So, and so we talk about granularly, right? Like, what can we do to to make impact? What can you know? What can we do to to essentially change the world in our own environment? But the one things that we can control for sure is how we treat ourselves, right? And you know, and what we put into ourselves. And I think that that is the biggest thing and the most important thing, uh, in my opinion, that we can really focus on as Muslims, as citizens, as human beings in this world. So I don't think there's a, a better way to kind of tie this together and put this in a bow than talking about through all of this, right? We still have to maintain sanity. We still have to, you know, maintain our spirit, maintain our physical. What are some of the things that we can do to preserve ourselves um, when, you know, a lot of things are outside of our control? What, what are some of the practices that you take on personally to, you know, keep your self-care up? I mean, I think it's something that's very, very important. And for me personally, what I do is I try to stay off social media for a while because that's mm. like the number one place where like you just absorbing, absorbing, absorbing a lot of information. And I feel like with social media, sometimes, even though sometimes it might be fun, you know, all the memes and all that, but when reality hits, sometimes it's um a little too much. So I say like, um, you know, getting off of social media for even a couple hours a day, um, that might help a little bit. Um, doing something you enjoy doing. I don't know. I like reading. So like finding a nice book to read, watching a nice show that has nothing to do with like, I don't know, everything that's going on. That also helps a little bit. It's crazy you talk about social media because honestly, I'm still trying to figure out what self-care is for me. And about like a month ago, I decided to like just delete all social media, have a little break. And I ended up missing half of the Instars movement. So it's just like, I don't know where I stand when it comes to to social media. And it, it definitely is unhealthy how much we consume a day. Um, but it is truly where a lot of our news lies. And for me, I think my best practice of self-care is going to sound weird, but or I guess it's not weird, but really it's focusing in on my faith. A lot of times that just really, to me, takes care of you know, it takes it, it takes care of a lot of the things that I feel that are outside of my control. Um, and, you know, I think something mm-hmm. something to remember is, you know, uh, our, our book talks about it. Right. Sort to uh, I believe is our rod. Right. This uh, remembrance of Allah does well for your heart. Right. It, it helps mm-hmm. you find your yourself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I can't I can't tell you. I mean, that's that's been true all of my life. So. I think that a lot of times when I get stressed, when I feel overwhelmed, you know, just dhikr, uh, salah, these things kind of bring it back centered for me. There's a, a lot of practices that you would hear. And to me, a lot of times I listen to, you know, like these self-help books and I'm like, man, that's been in the Quran for for how long, man? Like we've been doing this. We've, we've been doing this. So uh, that's 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 the formula for me. Mm-hmm. Or that's where it starts, at least. Uh, I I think it's also important to mention for people who uh, can be down and feel as though faith is hard to catch up to or to continue that um, it's okay, um, but it's important to put it into practice. So when Iman does, you know, uh, decrease, 
you know, listening to lectures or doing zikr is is something that is at the back of their mind. Because um, it's not it's not easy for everyone to just go to faith, you know, when they're when they're going through some problems. And they... I think all of these things look different for everybody. Um, I think right, even with faith, right, you'll have people that you know, mashallah, they'll get up middle of the night, pray to hajjud, mm-hmm. you know, may Allah continue them in it. And for other people, it might be like a little bit of zikr. I mm-hmm. think it's it's very much right. you know recognizing where you're at and sort of where you want to go. Um, and, you know, just sort of like on that point, like faith is, faith is a leather among many. Um, so yeah, salah helps, dhikr helps, remembrance of, you know, re- like reading the Quran and really thinking about those things mm-hmm. help. Um, so does, you know, whether it's being able to, to balance the things that you're consuming, um, you know, whether that's having good Islamic content. Um, or just things that, you know, you enjoy within moderation um, and maybe a little less of the things that, you know, might affect you adversely, like social media. Like I learned really early in my life that I couldn't be on social media too much because it would affect my mood. I don't actually use that much social media. Not like I don't tweet. I don't post on my Instagram like it's and I don't feel like I'm missing out that much. But that that's sort of something that depends on, you know, you as an individual. Yep. Um, and then just sort of like even things that we don't even really think of as self-care, just keeping good habits, like making sure you sleep enough, making sure you've yeah. got like a good balanced diet, making sure you're getting like physical exercise and your right. blood gets pumping, you know, making sure, mm-hmm. you know, you, you sort of eat right. You drink your water, um, all of that. And then I mean, like things that I think are, are hopefully becoming more commonplace, like if you need therapy, you have the resources to go seek out therapy, you know, go do that. Um, right. You're not losing out on anything for it. Um, you know, I think we've got, we've got all of these things. And I think self-care is being able to identify which of those things that you will benefit from um, and just finding a way to do whatever of that, that you can consistently. Big time. Like one of the things that I think about is like, uh, sometimes it's not so much about yeah. what are you doing for self-care because I think we just kind of established that self-care can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different for for different people but more so are you cognizant and are you prioritizing that in your life and I think it's important not to be ashamed of it um, and what I mean by that is like uh, for example I, you know I played a lot of sports and still play sports right and you know sometimes my mom will ask like what are you doing with all this ball? What does it pay you to be playing this ball? What does it pay you? Because in her mind, she doesn't value like how I'm spending my time, right? But I had to acknowledge and understand like the value that these things bring to me and my sanity, right? So I think it's important not to be ashamed. Uh, other people might not value your 10-minute uh, uh, meditation in your car, right? Um, and, and, and some people, and, and some people might understand but just recognizing all the time, like, what are you doing for yourself? Are you taking the time for yourself, especially if you have dependents, you have responsibilities, our jobs, uh, just make, just carving out that time. And that's kind of what I wanted to ask the group is, right? Like, yeah, we understand these things are important, but, you know, how do we carve out time for it, right? Does anyone have any good strategies for that? Sure, I'd like to know, too. 
<laughs> me too. I don't know. So no one carves out time for self care here. We just. <laughs> I mean. Uh, oh no, you got it. So, uh, for I mean, for me, it's I, I think about it on a weekly basis, right? Like, what what am I putting into my week that's purely just for me, right? And I try to make sure that I have two or three activities that are weekly that I like to do, right? So, I know that some some of the things that keeps my blood pumping is being focused in athletics, you know, being you know, um, doing a, a decent bit of reading, not not things that I have to read but things that I want to read. So when I don't have those, I feel off. Right. And a lot of, and then you have those like cascading events. But uh, I mean, to me, that's, that's what kind of keeps me going. If like you mentioned, Kabir, if it's therapy, right. Having a a schedule, a regiment of when you go to therapy, how you go to it and, and keeping up with it. um, I think that's, those are the, the, the key, I guess, to keeping up and, with all that we have going on right now, we're all in the house. We're all witnessing all of these hurricanes. We're, you know, we're all we're all trying to stay healthy. This is the perfect time, in my opinion, to to really dive into yourself and self care while you're quarantining. All right. Um. So I think you know to that point, like scheduling is important, and I think a lot of us sort of recognize that. Um. And you know, I'm also somebody that you know, truth be told, like I struggle with scheduling. Um, especially if it's on like, say a a really, really regular basis. Like if I had to make up my schedule every week, I would probably, you know, struggle with that. But I do think there are certain things that I can schedule well in advance. So for example, if I know I want to be in the gym regularly, um, and I know I'm going on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I can just set a time. And then that is, you know, my self-care in that particular domain for like a month. Uh, if it comes to like catching up with friends, that's something you can make a recurring event. You know, we can talk like, you know, for an hour or two, like every other week or or once a month, Um, you know, boom. I think for things that are sort of in my routine, like those are things that I'll try and do sort of every day. Those don't need to be on the schedule. Um, It's like, I wake up um, and I'll try and do Dicker, Report on general, and like, you know, nine times out of 10, that's something that that's sort of there so I think it's a combination between setting certain things so far in advance um, that it's almost like set in stone and you don't need to think about it every week um, or having things that you do so regularly that like the time almost creates itself yeah so to that point right like more what I mean is you know, like when I say like being cognizant of yourself and kind of regimenting it, for example, for me, I know that I'm most productive. I'm sharp mentally in the morning. Right. Like so I know that my morning times has to be maximized. So some of the things that I, I try to do is I'll create a rule for myself. No social media until noon, just because I don't want to waste 30, 40 minutes or an hour of my most productive time of the day on something that I look at is so that's something so leisure. Right. Um, so just, I mean, it might not necessarily mean that like, Hey, you know, I need to, I need to have a, 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 my gym schedule planned out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but just understanding who you are, what you need and adjusting your life to those things. Um, I mean, I think those are small adjustments that, you know, are, you know, relatively atta- attainable for, for most people, if we just kind of stay in touch with ourselves, you know? Yeah, I agree. 
And in addition to that, I think it's also remembering that um, as you elevate in your life, uh, uh, your, your self-care routine can change. The way you take care of yourself can change. And that's okay. Um, it's, it's really important to remember that we, we, like, we change every day. And sometimes, like, let's say you're a person who flourishes amongst people. You know, you're around people. That's when you do your best. And then in the next month, you just feel like being alone. I think we should take that time to understand ourselves and kind of maybe start a, a diary, write in a book, um, you know, do a little more prayer than usual when it comes to faith. Like, let's say you just do your daily prayers, add sentence to it, you know. So I think it's just about learning yourself, um, as you said. I love it. <laughs> I'm like taking notes from like everything y'all saying because I need to be better. At I need this. some accountability yes. partners. Maybe maybe we'll do an episode where we we'll all pick all pick a self care item that we want to focus on and check in on the next episode and see how we're doing. I might get a little competitive for right. sure. No, I think, that's a, I think that's a great idea too because it's like you know self care like forming better habits. Um, isn't something that we have to do alone in fact it might even be harder if we're doing it alone knowing that you have to speak to somebody about your habits and how those things have changed um i think is a much stronger mechanism for making sure those habits stick man you just yeah. gave us like a golden nugget on and it was just so like slick too but, right i mean that's that's huge right like talking about just having accountability partners and and not doing it on your own right and i think that's tough for you know, people of our culture, right? Like, uh, we, you know, we were pretty prideful culture. So doing things like seeking professional help for, you know, for your mental just sounds so taboo in our culture, but it's true, right? Like, you know, we can't do everything um, on our own and we we shouldn't. Now, it's not encouraged in our religion. It's not encouraged really anywhere to, to do things on our own. So I think that was a, a great point to, you know, to kind of in my opinion, wrap us up with. So with that, right, we, we've talked about, you know, how, how this election has come upon us and impacted us. We've talked about you know, how this impacts the world in general and, and what we can do as individuals. Man, I, I mean, I think that we've accomplished a decent bit in this episode. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, think we did <laughs> I love that. it. I love it. So, yeah, with that, man, you know, it has been a pleasure to be with you guys again our group man we we get stronger we get more we we get more together and i just really love being with you guys speaking talking to our audience so i'm excited for our very next episode one to sign off again this is abdul rahman amina and, Fatima. and that yes, is so over. yes so <laughs> <laughs> i love it man that's another one <laughs> another one bites the dust all right, guys. Assalamu alaikum. Waalaikumsalam wa rahmatullah. Waalaikumsalam. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Muslims on the Move, an audio experience. Brought to you by Muslims on the Move, a program of APC. Let us know what you think about this episode. Share this episode with a friend so they can also benefit. Follow us on Instagram at Advanced Platform and subscribe to our mailing list by visiting APC's website at apc.ncnmo.org. Thanks for listening. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>